everybody and welcome back to another Wednesday of Press Play Podcast Game Talk Other Names with us, Pokestarter.gg, and more specifically, me, George in the Meta. I'm taking a break from my K-pop career as the fourth member of the Axie Sister to once again bring you some glorious gaming news and talk this Wednesday. Joined, as always, by Gaspodius Decimus Marilius. Hello, Gaspode. Hello. Fantastic, excited, and thrilled as ever. Today's press play is about the topic of... Oh my god, I lost my thing. Empowering developers and creators. And we are joined by Faraway, of which I have played both of their games I've been exposed to. Uh, currently behind the main account, I believe... Oh, we've got Alex on stage now instead. So Alex okay. is going to be joining us from Faraway. <laughs> so Alex, can you quickly introduce yourself for us, please? Yeah, I think we also have Grace on the, on the main Faraway account as well. But yeah, I can, I can introduce myself. Um, so I'm one of the co-founders of Faraway. Can you guys hear me okay? We can hear you perfectly fine. Amazing. I'm one of the co-founders of Faraway. Um, my background's in traditional gaming. Uh, I've been making games since I was 17 years old now. So now I'm, well, I'm a little bit older than that. Uh, I was, uh, before Faraway, I was head of studio at Glue and then VP of product at Scopely. Um, so specializing in like mid forward types of games, like RPGs and strategy games. Uh, at Faraway, we make uh, so we make a few games that you probably played. There's Mini Royale Nations, which is like a first-person shooter. Uh, we make Faraway Land, which is a base builder. Um, we're making Serum City, which is also a base builder set in the Mutant Ape Yacht Club like universe. And there's a, a few other cool things that we're working on right now um, with uh, with different people. And I'll, I'll give more announcements on uh, in the next few months. Awesome. Nice to meet you today, Alex. Thank you very much for a good introduction. And I have most certainly played um, two out of the games you've named already. I think cool. I played Faraway Land pretty early on. Yep. So um, should we also give Grace a chance to introduce herself from behind the Faraway account? Hey guys, um, nice, nice to see everyone here, a, a lot of familiar faces. Um, I'm Grace, I run Community and Growth at Faraway. Um, so yeah, happy to, to be here with, with everyone and, and chat about what we're, what we're up to. <laughs> awesome. So what we'll be doing is when we're asking the questions, we'll uh, try and aim it to one of the two of you, or you can battle it out for who has the most knowledge to respond to it. It's up to you guys. But my first question, I'm going to throw over to you, Alex. Um, and what was your inspiration and aims with starting uh, Faraway? Um, so this goes back to like 2016, 2017. Um, I was at Glue. Uh, with my co-founder Dennis, um, and there was a, a game called Racing Rivals, um, which any of you any of you have played. It was like a, a racing game. Think of like almost like CSR two, if you've played that as well. They had this uh, weird pink slips mechanic, where you could uh, battle against another person and actually lose your car. We found out that 
people were gaming that pink slips mechanic and using it to trade like outside of the game. So basically you would purposely lose your car to somebody else and they would send you a PayPal, you know, for 50 bucks. Um, we started noticing that that economy, that gray market economy was becoming bigger than the actual economy of the game. Um, a lot of the execs at Glue wanted to ban like all of this, you know, gray market trading and all of these types of activities. But Dennis and I, like we sort of took the opposite stance. Um, and we said like, hey, you know what? If people love doing this so much, like why can't we think of a game design that, you know, brings this type of activity into the economy versus just tries to completely disincentivize or ban it. So that sort of got us thinking more in like this, uh, this crypto like Web3 mindset. Obviously a bunch of our friends were also like doing uh, like crypto is outside of gaming back in the day. And then what really got us started thinking about uh, um, starting far away was when we were at Scopely as well. You know, we, we had these like same issues come up like gray market economies, player ownership of assets, interoperable assets where an asset should move from game to game inside of an ecosystem of games or even more broadly. And, you know, eventually Dennis and I just said to ourselves, you know what, like, this makes a lot of sense. It seems that like this Web3 game design completely breaks like the normal free to play, like closed ecosystem type of game design and monetization. So, you know, obviously if you're at a really successful gaming company like Glue or Scopely, you sort of have this innovator's dilemma where you don't, you don't want to do something that could, you know, harm a billion dollars in revenue per year. So totally understand that. But uh, that sort of gave us the opportunity to go out and start something ourselves, where we obviously could, you know, start from, you know, ground zero, build with like this open economy in mind, um, and not have to deal with, you know, retrofitting a, a free to play economy. So yeah, that, that, that really got us like starting to think about uh, just open economies, interoperable assets, and then eventually we started far away. And this was back in like June 2021. Cool. Hopefully that was a good enough story. Yeah, no, it's a really good intro. And I like the idea of the kind of gray markets being the prompt, because I think that's something that a lot of people point to when they're looking mm -hmm. at Web3 and what it can offer. You did mention a Web3 buzzword, and I see it on the faraway bio as well to do with interoperability. It means mm -hmm. a lot to different people, but what does it mean to you guys and how do you see it playing a key future in the future? I mean, I think we believe that like, the assets you own from one game should be able to have utility in some way, whether it's like visual, like purely cosmetic utility or some sort of like economic utility, um, because it, it does suck, right? Uh, you buy something in one game, the game dies or even worse, the game releases a sequel where they sell you the item all over again in the second game. And I think everybody here has probably seen this disaster happen with uh, like Warzone 1 and Warzone 2 where they're selling the same exact gun slash gun skin in Warzone 2 that somebody already owns in Warzone 1. So like we try to approach things from more of a player-centric mindset. Like Obviously, we understand the need for a, for a game studio to make money, to continue to make new games. But uh, like a lot of this like free-to-play, like closed type of uh, monetization, it just sucks for the player. Right. So if you were going to create a, a new type of game design or you were trying to give something that people like want, it would be like they buy something once and they could continue to enjoy that something um, in, in future games as well as the current game they're playing. So that's what it means to us. We have like a, we've experimented with like interoperability in a number of facets. 
So there's like pure like visual like interoperability and that can be seen with our like mini royale avatars. So like our, our mini royale avatars, um, they're playable, like visually playable. I think in like 9,000 other like virtual worlds or like uh, like external to far away experiences. And we did this through this like pretty cool like integration with Ready Player Me. And then we have uh, like economic like interoperability where like, for example, like uh, this is between like Mini Royale and Faraway Land where assets produced by Faraway Land, like for example, gear, um, which you produce only in Faraway Land, you can then like produce slash mint and you can go equip it on your character inside of Mini Royale. And in Mini Royale, you earn currency that can then be used inside of Faraway Land to make your base, you know, bigger and cooler. Um, and you're going to start seeing a, a bunch more, a bunch more stuff um, around like interoperability, like with regards to like Serum City. So this is something that we we do um, in all our games, and it's either going to be in our ecosystem, like our Faraway ecosystem of games, or it's going to be you know outside of that, where you know different different games or different ecosystems are also giving utility to the assets that we create. Yeah, I love basically everything you just said. I can't think of one point to pick and say that's the bit I love most, but it comes from the idea of um, as far away as a whole, because I know for the longest time I was always thinking of far away as just Mini Nations Royale, opposed to mm -hmm. far away being an ecosystem with many a game in it that would have areas that could work together and then one would be helping the other, like you mentioned, with the land gear helping you when you get into the other part as well. So when you're um, considering the interoperability and the visual interoperability that you offer for yourself and also potentially others to come in as well, um, mm -hmm. how do you see others coming in and working with you and what, what's that going to look like? Is it going to be you're bringing creators in and helping them or is it going to be you're approaching people and building for them? Um, I, I think it's, it, it's, a, it's a spectrum. So there are creators that we have that, you know, they say like, hey, instead of me creating this character or this weapon or this building and it's only playable in this game, what would be even better is if I created this, this thing and it was playable in a lot of games, like from day one. And that, you know, that array of games that things were playable in, they kept increasing over time because then it makes that asset like continue to appreciate over time. So we have like, these are like individual like creators, whether they're making like skins or you know full like uh full game asset like reskins of like mini royale avatars or like full 3d avatars so we're gonna demo this um when we launch our faraway shop which should be in like uh call it like late q3 of this year um and then as far as like you mentioned like building experiences for others as well so like at faraway we do like first party games so that's stuff like, you know, like Mini Royale and Faraway Land. So we, you know, we, we build and own like 100% of those things. We also do second party games. So like games that we're partnering with other, other collections, like the Mutant Cartel slash Mutant Ape collection, um, or like uh, different other, like just other IPs. Um, so the reason we do this is because like, it's, it's sort of like important for us to demonstrate like how interoperability, 
interoperability can work within other Seek ecosystems besides like the Mini Royale slash like faraway land ecosystem. So, I mean, I, I can't probably divulge like too much here, um, but you'll start seeing like with the Serum City uh, game, like each each sort of universe has its own like ecosystem of like related games. With Serum City, for example, you'll see like those assets will be usable in other experiences outside of Serum City. So um, that's that's the big thing. And then uh, eventually, and this is through the launch of our like uh, developer platform, um, which is you know which is coming up. Um, complete third parties will be able to you know launch their own games, and those games will uh, um, be like interoperable within our ecosystem of other games that are also you know interoperable currently you know currently uh, built on our platform. So there's a bunch of stuff going on. We'll give like more updates as uh, as time goes, um, but uh, yeah, it should be should be pretty cool. I like that, and I've got a question just to build on it, and, and this might be to Grace, it might be to you, Alex, up to you guys to fight it out. Mm -hmm. um, but when you mention about expanding it beyond the um, interoperability, like focusing maybe on the visual one, because it's a bit easier for people to conceptualize, mm -hmm. do you see there ending up being say, existing projects that come in, or do you expect to see more communities building afresh straight into the ecosystem and how are you going to support that to improve the community around far away as it's as its own thing um I, I, it's going to be both like what we care about is like providing value to assets right so it's like if a, if a game creates an asset like say like we create an asset our job is to continue providing as much utility to that asset as possible and in order to do that, like, obviously, we're going to make experiences that use that asset, but we're going to also, like, try to have other, like, games or other experiences also give utility to that asset. So it could be, like, new games that say, you know what, like, if you have this asset, you can, you know, join a clan in our game, you can get this other special thing in our game. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be the 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 variety of both like existing experiences and new experiences. I think some people are using interoperability as like a user acquisition play, right? Will they say like, you know what, I want to get all of the board apes to play my game. So I'm going to go say like, Hey, bring your board ape um, to this game. And then you can have some, some cool utility. Uh, I think like that's okay. Like it, it's cool. Um, but I think the the coolest thing is like what we call like two way interoperability, where say you have like two games, like uh, you can take like Mini Royale and Faraway Land as like the demo here, where games are producing assets for each other. It's not just like one one game is trying to do like a vampire attack of another community by saying like, hey, all board apes come here and and claim something, because it's just not like a it, it doesn't really it's it's like a you know fifty percent of the loop you need if that makes sense. So like with all of our games, there's always going to be a two-way asset, two-way interoperability where like both games or maybe like three games, four games, five games are all like feeding off of each other. And I think the big rule that we have is that like only one experience can produce, well, basically one asset can only come from like a single experience. You can't have basically two games producing the same asset or else you risk like crazy amounts of, uh, like instability in that asset. 
Yeah, I love that idea of it being a two-way street. Um, you called it a vampire attack. I usually mm -hmm. refer to it as a parasite um, growth, where you're yeah. siphoning things off as well. I think maybe vampire one sounds a bit more pleasant than parasite, but <laughs> the principle is the same. Um, and yeah. I do like what you're saying there, that an asset is created in one game but can be used throughout the whole ecosystem and not having mm -hmm. the same asset created in multiple locations. I think that not only is good for the asset itself as in like the amount of them that can be created, but also drawing people to a certain game within the ecosystem if they specifically want that asset as well. Mm -hmm. um, and talking of bringing in communities and doing stuff like that, um, I don't know if you or Grace want to answer this one, but is there going to be the idea where like smaller type people can get in and bring their own stuff into far away with this i'm thinking very narrow and i know we've seen content creators or web3 gaming influencers whichever hat you want to put on them have done their own mm -hmm. drops previously do you think there's likely to be any of them doing a far away say george within mini nations royale and you can have the skin of me and run around looking buff and shooting people or do you think this is more still aimed to larger scoped actual projects um, uh, I'll give you the, the answer that you probably don't want. It's, it's both. So we already have the first one. Um, so you'll actually just see that um, inside of Mini Royale, I think, pretty soon. Maybe Grace can give more updates there. But then, of course, like there's also, like you can call like more, quote-unquote, like studio level or professional types of people that also want to build into like the, we call it the faraway ecosystem or more of this like decentralized ecosystem where they can benefit from, you know, also having a bunch of players that, you know, care about like, interoperability of their assets. So, yeah, I, I think, I think it's going to be both. Like we already have the first and I think we'll, we'll have the second pretty soon. Yeah. Something that um, that's pretty interesting that we're running now is, is um, a program to onboard uh, 3d modelers and artists within our community and, from other communities as well to create their own custom skins, which can be sold in the upcoming faraway shop that Alex mentioned. So we could very, very well have a have a George uh, uh, avatar running around with an AK. Um, but it's a, it's really cool because something that's awesome through the um, utilization of of like crypto and blockchain for us, these skins can be sold uh, in our marketplace and then payout is pretty much instantaneous and we don't really have to go through a lot of the um, like tricky setup systems for receiving payment for creators that uh, are, are more typical to other marketplaces um, outside of the, the like Web3 gaming space. So uh, we're really excited to be launching this um, and to have a, some, some pretty awesome custom custom skins that people can make and, and just sell. Like there's no conversion to Robux, you know, it's, it's you set a price um, in, I think we're doing at launch, um, Solana, Ether, and um, uh, Matic. Um, and yeah, if people like your skin, they want to buy it, then, then there you go. Um, so it's, it's really important to have creators uh, actually have a have have a real role in you know player driven economies um and we think we'll be kind of leading the way here with, with some of this functionality so super excited and of course you guys will all know first uh when we have updates about about the faraway shop and, and things like that but if anyone's in the audience who's interested you, you're welcome to 
um, shoot us a DM on the Faraway account, and we're we're working with uh, tons of of different artists and creators to to get some stuff um, for launch, especially. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping like creators like use this to also build their community and make things like more social as well. So like you can support your creator, buying their asset. You go to like some I don't know virtual sandbox type of thing. There's a, a million of you that all own your asset all in the same place. Like who knows? I think there's a bunch of like cool things that we've heard people talk about, like wanting to try. And I think we're sort of at this stage in like Web three, like Web three gaming or Web three in general, where we just almost need to try a lot of things and see like the reception and see like what actually works at scale and what people really like. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's the only way we'll, we'll understand like, what do we build next? And like our approach at far away has just been like, we need to build like really, really fast because the meta keeps changing and like player expectations keep changing. Um, and the only way to really understand like, how do you build like a like an interoperable gaming ecosystem or build like an open economy game is like by building it and if you don't build it and are just like theory crafting like you you're probably missing something you know i like all that you're saying i think the the idea of building rather than theory crafting you'll just get overtaken if you try and think too long without actually putting sort of pen to paper as it were yeah Um, We've touched on the two games that you're kind of building out, as well as the idea mm-hmm. that within the universe, other projects can come in and add their own stuff in kind of in the future. How important was it to you to kind of build these two initial games as essentially a proof of concept for the faraway universe? Like critical. Like we, we had no idea like, uh, like how a lot of this stuff would work. Like how do we operate? like a more like a like open economy game like the only way we we actually knew how to do it and i we continued to you know get better like season after season in mini royale and i understand like the different exploits the different like player expectations and and the only way we we feel comfortable like building something else or especially like making games with like important partners is because we have experience in production and i think like that experience in production can come from like the game design like side of things you can also come from like the technical side of things because there's a big difference between like testing all of your smart contracts in like a staging environment and like testing it in production so i think yeah that they basically these two interoperable games like between like mini royale and then um faraway land like if we didn't have those i don't think we would have uh, any idea like what to build next and i don't think anybody would have the confidence in us that they should you know partner with us on making a game or making another experience or building on all of the tech that we've made like for i think like aws worked right because amazon was like the best customer of aws like epic like unreal epic online services unreal engine like that works because everybody knows fortnite's pretty cool right and and runs with a lot of players right steam works because like Valve had a very specific use case in Half-Life, right? When when Steam was created. So I think the only way you can build a platform is by first having a consumer product. And I think the only way you can operate like an open economy game is by actually operating it and making a bunch of mistakes and getting better over time. So yeah, your, your original question is, um, was it important? Um, yeah, I, I don't think we would be able to even know what to build if we weren't making a bunch of mistakes in production. 
I love that answer. Um, and I have seen others that boast a, uh, an ecosystem or we are here to help builders within Web3 do yada, 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 this is our product. But they've not actually got anything on their framework, as it were. Whereas with yourselves, you've got far away, but everyone previous to being really aware of you guys, uh, I know for myself especially, I was uh, more aware of Mini Nations Royale as the game. And then obviously mm -hmm. expanded from there to be aware of the whole far away thing in general. So I do completely agree with the idea of you need to show people that games can run on your framework or your ecosystem mm -hmm. before you tell them we're the best thing you guys need to be building on. Um, mm -hmm. One thing you have touched on a little bit was um, how the two games are linked to each other and then obviously the following games and the store type thing are linked to each other. You've mentioned gear in land going into Mini Nations Royale. Um, my question about that is how strong is the links going to be between them? Um, for example, say if you're playing Mini Nation Royale and you need to get something from land, is there a chance that you're going to be soft locked? Or are more of the things that are linking these games within the ecosystem together more just like visual or boosters opposed to something you are required to do? We've experimented with it. So like with gear, for example, it's a hard lock. It's like land is the only place you can get gear. And I think it's important to, you know, have some, you know, soft locks and some hard locks because like the hard locks are the things that are going to promote like specialization and then trading. Right. It's like we, we we're going to have people that are like, I'm the land player because I love, you know, playing base builders and I am, you know, particularly good at making gear. Right. So I think we're going to have like that paradigm. And I think, you know, specialization breeds trading. So I think you need um, hard locks, but again, you can also have, you know, soft locks. And I think some assets, I think uh, especially assets from like completely third parties, like another, we might say like, Hey, you know what, we're talking to this game. We're going to give, you know, utility to their, you know, collection. And we might say, Hey, we don't want to make it, you know, permanent utility. We might say, you know what, there's an event that's running this week, this asset, if you have it equipped or you have it in your inventory, like it'll give you a boost, like a temporary boost in this event. So I think there, there's multiple ways to do it and you, you probably need both. And then looking for how that soft and hard locks can be then built, not only just to emphasize trade, um, in terms of the community and the growth, uh, aiming towards Grace a little bit, do you, do you think this will maybe build separate communities or what we see is in traditional games, there's more the clans and the guilds where they do try and bring specialized players together to avoid kind of open market trading, but they've now got everything in house and they can kind of build up together as a single community. Chris, I think you're on mute, unless you're just very quiet. Oh, hey, um, sorry, could you repeat the question? Yeah, just in, in terms of the, the idea of the hard and the soft locks and people ending up semi-specialized, for example, enjoying playing Mini Royale and then enjoying playing the Serum Land, uh, two different players almost. There'll be some crossover, but likely to be differences. Do you expect to see guilds or communities pop up to kind of try and keep that stuff within house so that they can trade amongst themselves a little bit without having to risk going onto the open market? And how would you kind of 
support and maybe promote that so that it can be used not only to promote trading but also community growth? Yeah, um, I think it's interesting. Uh, we typically haven't really run anything with guilds and sort of what I think everyone here sort of associates with the guild to this point. Um, we do have a clan structure in Mini Royale Nations where you can clan up with up to 30 uh, different players now and then um, like share resources for clan wars and work together to, to kind of um, have places on the leaderboard for prizes. Um, and so that's been more of like an organic community growth where people have really just found other people in our Discord servers and, and joined clans and grown together that way. Um, I think there's there's definitely um, benefits of working together for the products that we do put out, even though some of them are, are, are pretty single player, like for Faraway Land. Um, but there is a ton of information that people are kind of creating their own communities to um to help onboard other people so that they kind of know what's going on. Um, for Serum City, I'm, I'm not totally sure what that would look like on on that side. Um, we'll have more information about uh, how people access the game and, and things like that coming out soon. Um, but I do think that there is a, a really good place for people trying to kind of grow communities within the products that we release because kind of the whole point is that we have these these social experiences and, and social gameplay that people can um kind of grow together through so yeah i think there is definitely i'll, I'll talk about serum city mm. i'll talk about okay. serum city for a tiny bit um so I, one interesting thing that we have in serum city that i don't think other games have done before is this concept of uh like global supply caps of specific like nft items so you'll see in, in serum city it's all like at least season one is all about like crafting um, crafting cool items, making cool things. Um, and each resource has like a global supply cap. Um, so people can only mint up to a certain amount. And then um, the only, like, say if that supply cap is hit, like uh, basically people you need to use those resources in crafting and basically burn those resources in order for, you know, new supply to be introduced on like a resource level. So what I'm, hoping and like I think we'll start seeing is like groups of people come together in order to like corner the market on a specific like item type um, and I think like without you know but that's sort of what you're talking about with like guilds like really working together and I mean if you have a global supply cap on an item or your guild has that you're like very incentivized to keep all of the trading between your guild and like not making it know like a completely open market so uh yeah I'm, I'm hoping that's like one of the reasons that we designed the mechanic that way so we have like these groups of people formed that are all like strategizing together on producing a single like resource type um and i'm hoping we'll, we'll start uh seeing that type of like very tight community bond formed around uh around like the economic aspect of that game I, I do really like that idea. Um, before I move on to my next question, because that was uh, that's pretty interesting, actually, um, the idea of a hard cap on a resource. Do you fear, though, potentially with that, that will limit the game's life if, say, one of the starting resources is capped? Or how is that going to play out? There's, like, hundreds of resources. So oh, okay. I think, yeah, I mean, that that's the, the, the simple answer on like how we're getting around that. Also like each pass type 
So like the, the game, I'm probably going to leak a little bit too much, but I'll leak a little bit. Um, there's going to be like three different types of passes to play the game. Each pass gives you a different type of base and each base produces different types of resources. So there's like, like multiple, like different types of specialization. You can like specialize at the pass level. So your pass, you know, can produce these resources and then you can also specialize at like hoarding resources. Like whether or not your <laughs> that, pass produce them or not. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good way, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Going to have the uh, the dwarven mithril guild that all they do is do mithril within it, the Syrophan. Exactly, and I'm hope I'm hoping that that that, that happens because I think it'll be really interesting. But yeah, you're right that some people can sort of they can break like a recipe, right? Um, and then the meta will change. Like that that recipe is broken because nobody can get this asset because this one group of people have cornered the market on this one resource. Like that'll happen and then the meta will change and then people will say, you know what, I can't produce this. So I'm going to produce, you know, these, these other items. Um, but I think that's what makes things interesting. Yeah, I definitely think that does. As someone that has played um, a lot of the games that are based around lands and farming mm -hmm. and that type of stuff is uh, one of my favorite genres. I think I'm up to like 450 hours in RimWorld. So that type yeah. of thing is right on my street. Um, <laughs> Coming back into the games that we have at the moment, I've played a lot of your land um, mm -hmm. game and uh, uh, very much more of the Mini Royale. Um, mm -hmm. But with how well Mini Royale is doing, do you see it taking off as something you guys can be doing competitively or at least letting a community create a eSport around? Um, or is it more of just a game you built as the proof of concept and it's not going to have that sort of attention level because you're, you're busier building the ecosystem as a whole? No, I, mean, I think Mini Royale is still like a, like a hero product for us. It's like by building that game, like it informs how we build like both future features for that game as well as like future games. So I guess like, yeah, I mean, it's still like a, a lot of concentration on that, like the same way that, you know, Epic obviously you know, still uh, says they, they like making Fortnite, right? Because Fortnite is both an incredibly important part of the Epic-like ecosystem, as well as the thing that informs how they build Epic online services, you know, Unreal 5, et cetera, et cetera. So that's like our, our position on Mini Royale as far as like, do we want Mini Royale to be like a competitive esport? Like we as far away, like we don't want to be like, an esport company, but we do want to give the ability to our community to say, like, hey, if you want to, you know, treat this as an esport and host tournaments and have like, you know, private rooms where you're matching like five v five, yeah, we would love for that to happen. And in our like one of the recent features we launched in the past few weeks um, was the ability for like people to select their teams like in private rooms, and then uh, like eventually, I think it'll be in the next few months they'll be able to bring in like community made maps um, into those private rooms as well. Um, where like different like community map makers, they're gonna be able to like make maps. And this is this thing we're doing with Hyrule World. They'll be able to make maps like outside of Mini Royale. They'll be able to bring those maps into Mini Royale. And then um, in the private rooms, people can have like competitive or crazy types of, uh, um, crazy types of matches on like, how do I play this, you know, Hogwarts, you know, themed map, or how do I play this like crazy vertical map where, 
everybody is doing weird things with this low gravity map. So yeah, we, we want to like basically give the tools to our community for people to create these like cool experiences, but we don't want to be an eSport or, or a competitive game. Yeah, I, I love that, that answer. Little, <laughs> yeah, I think nobody realizes that like eSports and competitive games, like you need to build the team as like a competitive eSport team from the very, very beginning. Um, and also like browser games just are never going to be like as competitive as a, as a, as a client game. I do like that final point. point you just made there. <laughs> the, uh, the browser games versus client. I know some people stand by the fact that a browser game can always be as good as a client game, but I don't believe that to be true. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's I, just I, like factually not true. Like from a technical standpoint, like the networking is not the same between like a browser and a client game. Like Mini Royale is supposed to be like competitive um, and fun, but mostly fun and social and easy to hop into. Yeah, it's definitely easy to hop into. It's got that edge up on the client games as well. And that's one of the mm -hmm. phrases I always give to the WebGLs over the clients. But yeah, I agree with you without having the full knowledge you clearly have of the difference between the two. But yeah, I would say that a browser is not going to meet the same level of competitiveness as the client one can. And I do like your answer mm -hmm. there of giving the tools to the community to make an esports out of it themselves if they so choose, but not something you're going to be pushing yourselves. I do think that's always a good way for anybody to go, even if they build the game as the next FPS esports game. It always feels a bit mm -hmm. forced if the company is the one that has to make it the esports game rather than the players thinking, God, I really enjoy this. I wish this could be an esports tournament that I could set up. Um, yeah. So I do like that angle. <laughs> so um, as we're coming towards the end of our time at the moment, um, what do people have to look out for and be excited for, for say, the next three to six months from far away? Uh, um, so we have, I think, sorry, Grace, just post this. Um, we have like Mini Royale season five coming out like very, very soon. Like, I think tomorrow, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, the, the goal of this season is uh, we're introducing like a, like a campaign mode, which will make it like, the, the goal is like really easier onboarding and then um, a lot of like tuning to like the, the live ops and event structures that we run. Um, because obviously we've learned, learned a lot over the past like four seasons, like things that people like, things that people don't like. Um, and like, obviously the mini Royale like economy, even though it's a shooter, it sort of has a more like RPG style meta. Um, and that meta has gotten like increasingly complex, um, like over a season over season. And we haven't done the best job of like explaining that meta to people who are, you know, very, very new to the game. So sometimes we'll see people like they'll, they'll join the game. They'll be like, this is really fun, but either they like, get too confused when they see like all of the complexity around specifically like clan wars, or they don't even know that like these, these clan wars exist. You know what I mean? So we're in season five, we're trying to do a better job at like onboarding the players into the more elder parts of our game. And one, uh, one way we're doing this is with this campaign mode. Um, so that's, that's the thing on the mini Royale side of things. Um, Serum city will be like Q3. We're going to, this is like in partnership with like the, the mutant cartel. It'd be like a really, really cool, like base builder is really similar in some ways to, to faraway land, but think of it as like, you know, 
faraway land on on steroids and with some really interesting like game mechanics um, built in. So that'll be like Q3 of this year. We have the launch of our faraway shop, which is it's not a secondary marketplace; it's a primary marketplace. So this is where creators can like create and sell like interoperable gaming assets that'll be used across like our ecosystem. And then of course, like if they're making an avatar, that avatar will be playable across like um, those 9,000 ready player me capable experiences as well. So it should be really, really cool for creators. Um, We like like UGC in general because crypto has like a very clear use case in like creator payouts. So even on, even on the the faraway shop, for example, like say, you know, you submit an asset, you work with five other people on that asset, like you list those five wallets when you submit that asset to the faraway shop, every single time that asset is sold to any person, right? All creators across all five wallets get paid like instantly and transparently. So that was like a big thing for us. Um, And we think that'll be very, very cool for people. So yeah, we have the launch of the faraway shop, which will again be Q3. Um, We're going to start doing some like initial pilots um, with the developer platform um, once we make it more like external facing that'll probably be like a q4 um and then uh we have uh, a few unannounced things that uh, i'm i'm sure we'll we'll start seeing some announcements for uh in like q3 or q4 but these are some other games um that we'll be partnering on awesome it sounds like we've got a lot of stuff to be keeping our eye on for faraway land for the mm-hmm. uh, coming months and all the stuff you guys have bringing out and on that note where should people be paying attention to? Where is the best place to stay up to date I'll, with all the news related I'll, 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 to Faraway? I'll let Grace handle that one. That Grace is the, is the better one at that. Yeah, yeah. We like to keep things pretty streamlined. The best way to know about updates is, is here on Twitter, um, on our Faraway page, and also at Mini Nations. Um, we also have a blog where we post kind of more substantial user guides, information, release um, highlights, things like that. That's news.miniroyale.io. And then, of course, we have our Discord server um, where you can come hang out with 50,000 other people. Um, and that is discord.gg slash faraway. So, yeah, I'm always happy to have some more, more heads uh, pop in and happy to answer any questions that people have either in Twitter, via DMs, or um, in, in Discord as well. Awesome. So everybody now knows where they need to be going and paying attention so they can find out about the upcoming season five and the upcoming shop as well. So everybody that is listening, thank you as always for coming along on this Wednesday for Press Play. Uh, Thank you to Alex and Grace for joining us up here and helping us learn more about um, Far Away. Also, uh, thank you to Gaspode for being my co-host as always. Gaspode, do you have anything to say? Go and uh, check out Pokestar for the new quest yes very well reminded there gaspo there is currently a quest going on on polkstarter.gg and remember you can also head down to polkstar.gg for news reviews guides and everything anything and all the fun stuff that you can find on a website Remember to come back next Wednesday as we'll be doing another press play where we'll be talking to some more fantastic guests and growing our brains together. If you did miss this one and you're catching the tail end, you can go and listen to us on most podcast audible sites. We still have not made it onto iTunes despite Sandbox's heavy-handed trying. So I will see all of you next week for the press play. I have been George in the Meadow as always. Until then, goodbye.
Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. This is great. Thanks, George. And thanks, Eliza, too, for setting this up. Bye-bye.